Hey, it's Mike from the High Hash Rate Podcast. Just want to take a brief moment here and thank Fountain.fm for really helping us grow our podcast. I mean, this has been a, a fun ride. We're very thankful for all of our listeners. And if you found us through Fountain, uh, which is likely the case, because that's where most of our traffic comes from. What a cool model, right? Podcasting 2.0. But if you are not listening to High Hash Rate on Fountain.fm, we highly recommend it. You can stream sats to your favorite podcasts. You can also create clips and even stack sats by listening to your favorite podcasts. It's that easy. So if you're not a fountain, head on down and download fountain.fm today and start listening and stacking them sats. One day, and the day is coming shortly, where the having will be as big, bigger, in the election that goes on in that year it'll be bigger than the olympics and that's how we look at it that's how i've been looking at it because everyone's gonna have bitcoin and they'll be looking forward to this thing it'll be like y2k hey everybody this is the high hash rate podcast i'm mike and i'm dan and this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about bitcoin life and the absurdity of the fiat world our guests don't necessarily get high with us and you don't have to either but it helps Welcome back to High Hash Rate, uh, another lovely episode. We have tonight a wonderful guest, um, Mr. Sean Harris. Very big Sean Harris. Sean. Big Sean Harris. Yeah, man. Hello. Yeah, introduce yourself, man. Like, how, how do you want to, what do you want to be known for? <laughs> <laughs> what do I want to be known for? Uh, for being a good man, you know. That's just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, so... I when I, start, no, I like start, I know no, I know who you are from uh from from Bitcoin Twitter right and it's like I you never know if somebody's avid wait, 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 wait. Who, who are you Big Sean Harris sorry who are you what's what's give give us the give us the small blurb the tiny blurb okay um I'm I'm on Twitter as Big Sean Harris uh I guess you could say I am a I'm a Bitcoin maximalist and uh I've been around the Bitcoin space uh for a few years now uh, so back in 2019 is when I started buying, I studied Bitcoin for about two years before that I did the whole Robert Kiyosaki thing, read all that stuff. And, and, um, at the same time I was studying Bitcoin and crypto, bought some altcoins, went down that route. And then I got orange pulled in 2019 and, uh, then kind of found my way. I thought I was insane when Bitcoin wasn't going pumping after I bought it, you know, and then I uh, found my way to Bitcoin Twitter. And then, you know, then from there, just started chatting with everyone, started making memes and, uh, became right. part of the factory, the laser eyes. And, uh, now hanging out with two guys that are pretty awesome dudes on the high hash rate podcast. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> thank you. For so that. I was getting into was uh, like when you, yeah. when you first get on Bitcoin Twitter and you like, you see people's like Abby's and people yeah. like, you know, they have celebrities, basketball yeah. players, whatever. So you don't know, like if somebody's picture is them. Right. So like, I just, I would see you on the timeline. It's like this big basketball dude, but then it turns out you actually are, uh, you're a basketball player. You're an athlete. Wait, right. What's your, what's your background there? So, yeah. So I played basketball, um, I went to Utah State. That's where I played basketball at, and uh, I grew up in Sacramento, uh, where I currently am. And uh, then I ended up getting 
a contract to go play basketball overseas after college, which was awesome because where was I that playing? I started playing in Colombia actually. Okay, like where so, was that? Like Medellin? And uh, I was in a city called Cúcuta, Colombia, okay. on the okay. border of Venezuela. And this was in 2016. So this was, uh, you know, this was like right when they, like things are starting to go a little haywire in Venezuela. Uh, they feeling this crazy inflation, but I did see it. Like I was starting to see the effects of that communism that was going on down there. And uh, there were a lot of Venezuelans that were coming across the border to buy medicine in Colombia at that time because they're buying any medicine, couldn't buy any medicine in their own country kind of crazy so uh but then yeah i got a you know i started playing overseas played for a long time um i did come back for about two years and i worked at a software company uh, a couple different software companies in salt lake city and during covid i was like i'm ready to go back out and play and so i went back out and played for the last three years in spain and uh, then I just recently retired. So now I'm all done with basketball and I'm loving the next chapter of my life. So it's it's going really good right now. How how, uh, how tall are you again? Uh, five nine. That's that that's tall. <laughs> no, I'm six. That's seven. a perfect that's a perfect height. Uh, what was the what was the difference like your first uh about playing overseas in Colombia, like near the Venezuelan border versus playing in Europe and Spain? Yeah. How was that experience? Like, how would you contrast that? Well, I had lived, so I had lived in Honduras before that. So I had lived in Central America and I spoke Spanish fluently. So that was nice for me at least. Um, And, and so, but the difference was, it's just, there are a little bit, there's are subtle differences between, you know, Spain and Latin America. Obviously I would say the even bigger difference is, you know, I lived in Finland and stuff, yeah, and that was a lot bigger of a difference compared to Latin America. It's just like cultures, right? Cultures are different everywhere you go. Uh, if you go to a different world, they have their own holidays. They have their own, you know, they're maybe people are more outside. They're, they they want to dance. They want to party in Latin America. You can, it's like Finland, you know, it's the circles that they have are a lot tighter, but they're stronger, right? And uh, people are still very nice. Um, but, uh, if you, if you one of them and they really adopt you in, in Finland, and, but everyone will be your friend in Colombia. I just, I just want to hop in here. This is, this makes me think of an interesting question. I thought, um, you've seen all these cultures throughout your life. I mean, it seems like yeah. you're, you're traveling, you're, you're, you're a basketball player in Europe. So you're traveling from country to country, I'm assuming playing other teams, other countries, you're staying time, maybe, you know, days, months, weeks, even years, perhaps in these different cultures. How, how do you, how has this affected you? Like how, what have you, yeah, what do you pick up from that? Right. Yeah. Do you like pick things from each culture that you kind of like, and you're like, all right, I take, keep this, take this, like, or is it like, is it less uh, black and white than that? I think one of the things that, you know, when I grew up, obviously I'm American. So I grew up, you know, saying, Hey, we, we live in the best country in the world, the greatest country ever, all this stuff. And, um, you know, nowadays you see like there's kids that I like, grew up hating America that live in America. 
which that's not where I fall. I'm not, I don't hate America. Um, but I, I just going to different countries. It just opened my mind to, Hey, you, not everyone's thinking about America all the time. Uh, like when you live here, you think that the whole, I will say, Oh, you know, that's the best team or that's the best player in the country. And we, when we say that, we think, Oh, that's in the world. But it's not you like, there's a whole world out there of other countries and they have their own, they have everything else that we have. And to say that we're the best, that's something that even before I got into Bitcoin, I was like, well, maybe it's not the best country. There's, I've been to some good countries before and, you know, and, and I like being in these other countries and I like the, you know, the languages, the, the food, all these other different things, the families, the lifestyles. So there's, there's just a lot of different cultures and it opened my mind up to maybe there's not just one right way to have a country and there's not just one right way to do anything and people are living their lives and they're just trying most people just want to be happy they want to enjoy life they don't want to have to worry too much about you know all the issues that are going on especially like right now with wars and or even retirement and money they just want to be able to work and enjoy time with family and friends and have good food and th that type of stuff like everywhere you go it's pretty similar um you know. I was going to, yeah, I was going to ask, like be playing with a presumably type, uh, you know, people from all these different countries on as your teammates. Yeah. Um, like how I was going to ask, like, how did you connect with them outside of uh, basketball? Like, how did you connect with your teammates and uh, kind of like form that bond that so you could actually be more successful, like on the court? Because you guys yeah. kind of you, you, you were a team in other aspects. Yeah. You know, some it's funny because some coaches will say you guys don't have to be friends off the court for you, but you have to respect each other on the court. You have to respect each other as men, which is to some extent is true, but it, it, it never hurts when you like each other off the court as well. And so I think that's the, the cool thing about going overseas, at least for me, is like you go into a country and then you automatically have like 10 to 15 immediate friends, right? Because it's, you got this whole team that's right here, guys that are right. playing with you. If you have this team of in friends, the trenches together, yeah, exactly. And you're and you're working every single day together, and you're trying to you know go through plays. You got a coach yelling at you. You got you know you got to get ready for the season, and so you have all these things that you're trying to. That alone, just working together every like, it's easy for guys to, to create that bond when you're working together every single day, and then and then you know, obviously you know sometimes we party or do whatever but um a lot of times it's on, on the court alone you you can feel if someone has good energy to them just by the way they work and right. so right that something exactly. that that would bond us together as right well. so like that's the it's you can't fake it right like you the, the effort you put in the work you put in in practice and like you can't fake it you have to put it in but everybody else can sense when somebody's just kind of slacking off or the people who are working hard, the people who are uh, cooperating, just like you're, you're driving towards that goal or that mission. Okay. And then it's like you said, it's almost like self-evident. Like you can watch it on the court. You can see the performance. You can see the success. So I guess I'm trying to find a way that's not too ham-fisted to like tie this back to Bitcoin. Cause like when I, one of the things we talk about on the show is the, the values, the ethos, the mission of Bitcoin, right? Like it doesn't matter which um, you're talking to somebody on spaces in a different country. Some, some people are in Europe, some people are in Africa. It just kind of depends on what they're doing in their time zone at that point. Yeah. And everybody's kind of, 
from all these different backgrounds, all these different education um, yeah. uh, levels, all these different countries, but they they're bonding over Bitcoin. And they can you can have hour long conversation with somebody you've never met yes. from a different continent about Bitcoin, yeah. like because it's like if they know, they know, and if you know, you know, you they can't fake it. Yeah, definitely. Drop the mic on that one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I dropped my phone too. It's funny because yeah, it's like the same thing. Like you, when you're when you are playing on a basketball court with somebody, and you make that pass, and then they make another pass, and a guy scores, and then you're de- playing good defense, and then there's just good energy. It just it, you just get excited. You okay? I understand how this person plays. I understand who he is just by the way he plays. I don't have to speak the same language as him. And the same thing, like what you're saying is. I've been to a lot of different meetups and I love going to the meetups because especially the meetups in town and the meetups outside, you know, when I'm going to Miami or I've gone to Bitcoin meetups in Paris, I've gone to Bitcoin meetups in Spain, in Madrid, I've gone to Bitcoin meetups in Pacific Bitcoin, you know, all these places because you meet with someone and you go, you know, you have a level of understanding that you're already starting from and you can kind of tell when someone hasn't done the work on Bitcoin and they're asking these questions or they may say something and you're like, oh, this person doesn't, they haven't done the work yet to really understand what they're talking about yet. And with someone who has done the work, then it's just like, then you can like, you can already start talking at a different level and it's like a different language right. speaking with it's, each other. It- I guess it would be like the difference of you playing with one of your pro players and like me. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. It could be like, it's like, like you know, you can he, see the difference based on the, the amount of work that something was put into the training itself. Right. Yeah. Like, right, for example, like for example, when I went, so a lot of the guys that I played with in college, some of my best friends, you know, I would train and we would play in Salt Lake city and there'd be different programs that we would play in out there. Right. And we'd have played in college together and then we'd all played overseas. And so when we would come back for the summers and play, we would come and play together as a team and we'd play in these programs and we would just dominate other teams. And we would be classic can pop from Dan, gotta leave that in. Talking on defense, you know, we gotta ice that screen, you know, switch this one, whatever we're doing, right? We're gonna run a little elbow play, throw me the ball. We got two one guy running off here to the corner, another guy, he's gonna fake back back door or is going to come off and the other guy fakes back door it's we got all these little things that we that we just say one little word and we all know what to do and then when i came out here to sacramento i played with a couple of guys uh, you know in a little in a little rec league and a guy is doing a screen on the side and i'm telling him to blue the you know ice the ball screen and he doesn't even know what to do right because he's never played higher than high school before and so then i'm like I got to explain to him like what this is, why we would even do this. What's the point of it? You know? And so it's just like, you kind of have to start just like what you're saying. You got to start like, you can't speak. It's like, if you can say one word and then you can boom. Okay. I can right. Get it's like, like uh, it's like, it's like if you meet somebody and you'd be like, all right, I need you to get a moon wallet. I need you to send me an on-chain transaction from yes. your moon wallet to my wallet of Satoshi. Cause it's going to yeah. do a subatomic swap. The subatomic swap is going to like <laughs> send it over lightning. It's going to yeah. remove the, uh, the signature and we have a more private transaction. And the other person's looking at you like, what are you talking what? about? What, what now? Yeah. It's like, yeah. you just know right there. Or even just saying like, man, like, yeah, I would do that, but that's what sounds a little fiat to me. You know, I got yeah, right. to be a little bit lower time preference. Something something that simple. And then like even if you were to say that to a friend, they'd be like, What are you talking about, man? Exactly. You know? 
And so those little things, it just makes conversation flow because we are speaking another language. That that leads me to so like you're 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 playing bad. Like how what was the what how did crypto, how did Bitcoin when you first started, how'd that catch your eye? Like, is this when you were playing basketball? Is this when you like came back <clears throat> to the States for a bit? It was when, so I, I've kind of told this story before and I'll, I'll say just kind of briefly, just in case anyone else has heard it before. But the biggest thing was, uh, when I was in college, I had a, I had a professor. Um, it was, a, it was called, uh, it was called corporate finance. Right. And in that class, you learn about the time value of money. And the first thing that the professor said, the first day of class, he said, most people go broke because they're financially illiterate. And I thought I knew what it meant at that time because I wanted to be smart. I had no idea what it meant. Um, but then now I've learned what that means. And, and so what happened to me was I was, I would make money and then I would spend it and then I would make it and then I'd spend it and I'd make it and I'd spend it. So all the money that I ever made, I just spent it all. And I wasn't saving up anything. I had no retirement, nothing. And I was like, I got to the point where I was like, wait, what am I like? I don't want to work until I'm dead. You know, I don't, I, I want to provide a lifestyle. You know, I want to have a wife and kids and I don't want my wife to be working or to feel that stress. Like she can work if she wants to, right? Like I don't want her to feel like she has to, or I don't want to, I want to provide a lifestyle where I can make money, save money, have my wealth in the future that will take the work that I do today will take care of me in the future. And so, um, so then I started, you know, then I randomly heard about Bitcoin at the same time that I was going through, through this whole thought process, right? Like, what am I supposed to be doing with my money? And then I heard about Bitcoin and then I was like, well, what is that? And no one, this was in 2017, no one that I knew had any answers for me. So then I started going to Google and I would listen to like all the altcoin podcasts and they had a couple of nuggets of truth that was good for me at the time as I was simultaneously studying what money was, you know, and I, and I would watch CNBC. I was reading all these books like Robert Kiyosaki's rich dad, poor dad, they're the richest man in Babylon and all these books. And I was watching CNBC every day. And every time they would say a word that I didn't understand, I would Google it immediately. What does this mean? You know, and it would be on like CNBC would be on all day long, just stock tick, stock tickers, they go over bonds, treasury notes, all these things. And it was just like, every time they said something that I didn't know, that I would learn it and I would learn it. And so then I was like, then I became financially literate. And then it all started to make sense because it's like, oh, there's rules to the game of money. And if I don't pay attention to the rules that, that, that are going on right now, like I'm playing a game right now. And whether I want to admit that I'm playing a game or not, I am. And if I don't admit that I'm playing a game, which is get more money, then I'm going to lose at that game because someone else understands that there's a game going on right now and they're going to work as hard as I am or harder and they're going to know what to do with the money once they get that money. And I didn't know what to do with the money and I didn't know. And because I didn't know what to do with the money, then I, then I wasn't working in the right way to make more money either. So it was like all these things that were adding up, right? Like, oh, I have to know what I'm going to do with this money that's going to help me make more money and help me be more focused and help me like help me get to a path where I can really understand what to do with it all. And then, 
And then slowly it brought me back to Bitcoin because that rabbit hole inevitably leads everyone back to Bitcoin because all roads lead to Bitcoin uh, when you go down the what is money rabbit hole. And so that's where it brought me was, okay, I understand what I need to do. I understand, but I don't know where I need to save my money. And then eventually it was like, oh, Bitcoin is like, they're going to print the dollar to infinity. And Bitcoin is the most scarce thing. It's provably scarce. It's verifiably scarce. It's the only scarce thing that even exists that we can actually save our wealth in, in the world. So it just made, it just, it just clicked all at one time, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of similarities to, to my path and a lot of, it's very rational. Like when you start thinking about money, you start thinking about how much they're, they've been printing, especially the last few years. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's where you kind of start and how do you get to the point where you are, uh, one of the hosts of, of a podcast called the meme factory who has <laughs> Lynn Alden, Michael Saylor, and some yeah. of these other, you know, not I mean, some of them are, are are famous in the Bitcoin community, but some of them are, are famous around the world at this point. Like, how did how did you get to that point? Like, how did you find that community on 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 Bitcoin Twitter? When did you join that? You know, I, yeah, it was just we were you know around like in early 2020. That's when I started getting onto Bitcoin Twitter or on I think because I just heard about. It. I don't even know how exactly. I think I was following Pomp or something at that time, and or yeah, I would see exactly. him. What happened was. I got into Bitcoin and then I was watching CNBC and then Pomp obviously was on CNBC, which was a mistake for me to even follow him. But, but it, you know, it's, but that was 2020. That was how it was a lot of people came in. Exactly. And, but it was good for I me. I came in to, through Pomp too, man. I came in through Pomp. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's good for me to at least see Bitcoin Twitter because then I would go to Bitcoin Twitter and it was like, guys, like I would have these little thoughts about Bitcoin. And then I would go, and the guys would be writing these whole tweet threads before even anyone was calling them threads. They would just write an article basically and, about Bitcoin. And then people would be talking and, and, and like not arguing, but just going back and forth on what Bitcoin is now, what it was in the past, what it's be in the future. And I was like, all these things, I was like, oh, I didn't realize to me, I thought I was going to come in and make more money. And, and then I was, and then it just like slowly molded my mind as I was reading these things and I was reading more Bitcoin focused books and, and podcasts and articles and tweets and different things. And so then, um, you know, I don't know how to code. I don't know. Like I wasn't making any businesses. I've never been, you know, I was just a basketball player. Um, I enjoyed memes and I enjoyed, you know, funny things and my mind could kind of work in memes. And so. I saw that there were guys that were making memes and as I would listen to a podcast, I want, it would make me want to make a meme because at that time my mind was getting blown almost every single day. Right. It's like, there's something, Oh, the difficulty adjustment, mind blown. Oh, how does Satoshi think of a having my mind's blown again? All these things that are just blowing my mind. And so then I was like, okay, let me, let me take the things that I just learned and then simplify, you know, I'm, I'm listening to an hour and a half long podcast. How many people are listening to an hour and a half long podcast? Not as many as we'll see a picture that you can understand a complex top topic in, in one second. And so that's what it was for me was, okay, I like the memes. They're funny. It, you know, if no one likes my memes, I don't really care. I'm just going to make it. And hopefully people will like it. Like if they don't, that's fine. I'm just going to keep making them. 
And so that's kind of how I started doing it was because, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to hang out. I like, to me, I like the guys who are funny because I think guys who are funny, you're also smart. And so it's, it's always that's how it's been so then we kind of just got connected through the guys at that time in early 2020 who were on bitcoin twitter that were making memes about bitcoin because we kind of we were kind of going down the same rabbit holes at the same time and so it was a lot of fun for us yeah i feel like 2020 was that way for uh you know a, a great deal of the class of like the people who were out there and still on there today yeah. um and it it seemed like Bitcoin Twitter kind of just emerged in 2020 and in a lot of ways it did because the lockdowns and the core COVID stuff. And it just seemed like, like you said, we're just making memes and goofing off and then yeah. we're like, oh, it's going to rip. And then it does, right? Like, I mean, I, I guess you came in around 2017. So you were kind of there probably at maybe the yeah, half of, I watched right, you watched it. Me too. Exactly. And so like this time you're a part of it. And I watched you're, it go down. <laughs> yeah. And you're seeing it come back and it yeah. almost felt, it almost felt by, like February of 21 when, uh, when Elon and like, he talks about it, rips the price, Tesla buys. It, it felt like, oh my God, this like little meme uh, community thing I found a year ago. Like we're just like memeing this stuff into reality. Like we're taking over the world. That's what it kind of felt like in 2021. Yeah. And then we were humbled obviously after yeah. that, but, but it was, it was kind of a wild experience and being like you're in your first bull run that you're invested in. Yeah. Um, and it's exciting. Like, I feel like a lot of people are going to be coming into the space and RDR who are about to go through that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Can, you know, can, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. No, I, I just wanted to point out something that you made me think about, uh, Sean. And that was that this, this idea of compressing the amount of work or communication layer that it takes from when you're making that pass and you show that sign and that person doesn't know what you're talking about, mm -hmm. that that person had to do X amount more work to make that communication layer possible with you. Right. Yeah. So, and you've already done the work. Like you, you already know that signal that, that makes that communication go faster. Right. This yeah. ties into, um, the, the sort of compression of time when you're you can tell a bitcoiner if they're a bitcoiner because they have listened to the amounts of podcasts like the length of time they did the work and and so suddenly you can compress the idea of um being able to speak with them uh on a on another layer just as in basketball you're able to know, speak with them yeah. faster you know more accurate i guess i don't know where i'm going with <laughs> this this rant but uh, it just made me think about this this sort of tie between these two um, subjects. It's like instead of like a instead of like just a, like a, a sick three point shot like Steph Curry, you just see like a dude come on and you can know, you just know like if something pops off on Twitter, right? Like this dude's gonna have a meme that's just gonna lay it down and get the crowd going, just like Steph can hit a three. It's like, but it's it's just a different instead of like all of this practice uh, and physical uh, struggle, right? It's like sitting on your computer listening to thousands of hours of podcasts and like but you're still the point is you're still doing the you, work exactly it's just a different kind you're you have to do the work yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the whole point Which, i'm trying to make is you have to do the work but and if you think about it if you do think about it from a basketball standpoint right like you know one of the guys that i was playing with last week i got the ball in the post or a couple of weeks ago i got the ball in the post right down low by the rim 
but kind of like mid post so he could still cut baseline and what normally happens is like a, a less experienced guy who gets the ball in the post either he's a black hole like he just gets the ball and he doesn't pass it or if the guy cuts baseline he'll only look at him right when he cuts by him but what happens a lot of times is as the guy cuts by you the defender is still there but then he'll get under the basket like so he cuts by you but once he's under the basket he'll actually be open because the defender will kind of turn his head away and that's when I threw him the ball, right? Because I've been in the position so many times, and he wasn't ready for it. He did catch it, but then he, like, he just he almost went out of the key. If you'd have just stood on the rim, I would have had the ball in his hands, and you had a layup. And you know, he kind Bro, of the, the, out. And, the, and, the and level so of, it, of uh, oh, sorry, <laughs> and the timing. <laughs> yeah, like it's just it's like it's it's like one second or a half a second, right? And so he, he like didn't understand that or he just wasn't familiar with playing with me. And so this, the same thing is like, then afterwards I told him, I was like, Hey man, if you, I was like, just keep watching me as you cut, keep watching me. I'm going to get you the ball. If you're, if you're open, I'm going to get you the ball. Like that's how I play. And so I will find you if you're open, just keep watching me and I'll normally get you the ball in a good spot where you're going to be successful. But why is that good? Because then I like I win if he gets the ball in the rim and scores. It's good for us. Good for the team. And it's the same thing. It's like when we meet a person who's who's kind of like on this path of like, okay, am I gonna like what's going on? Like I can I like I can sense something's wrong with the money. Like my wages, like I'm just not making as much money. I'm not saving as much money as what I used to. I'm getting these promotions. I'm doing everything right, and I'm still feel like I'm moving backwards. You know, and like. We all know people like that, and they almost give up. They're just like, dude, then whatever. They're like, what's the point of even trying? And then that's when we're kind of like, dude, if you could just move over into Bitcoin, if you could understand this and you can understand what inflation is doing and how that all affects you, and if you can make this little change where now you save in Bitcoin instead of thinking about dollars as your unit of account, then it would be a lot easier for you. But then not only does he win, because we've, oh yeah, I've, I've passed that pass a million times and it's worked for me and it's great. Okay, well now you get to experience this pass. You get to experience an easy basket and now we both win. And so the more people that we move towards Bitcoin, not only do they win, but then it's like, okay, well, what business owners are moving to Bitcoin? Now we can make a Bitcoin circular economy. Like who else is going to come into Bitcoin? Like the more people that are in Bitcoin, then the faster it happens and then the like the less pain that people have to to have in this fiat world and then we can transact and do everything because now people don't want dollars they don't want fiat the only thing they want is bitcoin and so it's just like as we help people and give them a little push or give them a tip if they're ready for it then it's just like then so many more things that are positive can happen for them and for us and for everyone so now go back to somebody like Mike and you're on the court with him. Do you, um, do you ever, have you ever coached? Have you, do you ever taught, you know, do you teach people how to play basketball, whether it's kids or just like whatever, like, do you, uh, do you I do have, that? Do you enjoy that? I have, I have coached a little bit. Um, what do you start I, with? How do you, how, I, yeah. I, I enjoy the coaching aspect, but I don't necessarily enjoy the other. 
Sure. Like the, the outside aspects of it. What, uh, uh, like when it comes to, like, how do you, like, what do you start with? Like, say you were starting with, uh, you know, I mean, a, a kid, you got to teach them everything, but like, you know, a teenager, if you were like a high school coach, like, what do you start yeah. with? Like, obviously the fundamentals, right? Like, how do you, how do yeah. you approach, what do you think is like the most important aspect of basketball? Is that, and does that change depending on the person that you're coaching? Um, it could, it could change. I think what I just try to let people do is like, Hey, like you got, obviously you have to get the fundamentals down. Um, a lot of times, like when I was, I've been coaching, like when I coached, I was sophomores in high school. And so to me, it was like, it was just about the mindset. It's like, look, you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Like, like there's nothing, if you are making mis if you aren't making any mistakes whatsoever, then you aren't pushing yourself, you know? And so that's what I would always try to tell them. I was like, look, you have, like, you're going to make mistakes, but just try to do things that are positive and don't get down on yourself when you do make a mistake. Just use that as momentum to go forward because bad things will happen. Other teams will make runs. You'll miss shots that you normally make. Uh, but if you just keep pushing in the right direction, then like you're going to see, you're going to see the good things that happen from your effort and from your work. Right. And if you let yourself, and if you talk yourself out of it because you see one mistake, you know, you, nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. I will never be perfect. Uh, I made so many mistakes in my basketball career. I've missed a lot of shots. You know, I've made mistakes in my Bitcoin, uh, in my Bitcoin time, you know, I've lost Bitcoin. And so it's like, but I don't let that deter me. And I don't, I don't like kick against Bitcoin because I've lost Bitcoin, you know? Right. I stand like, okay, that was a learning process for me. That was a lesson that I needed to know. And, but I understand what Bitcoin is fundamentally. And so it doesn't, it doesn't make, you know, I don't, I don't look at those negatives as a negative. I look at it as a learning experience right. and I'm naturally just a positive person. Um, so I think, that's... yeah, the, so like the reason I asked that question is, you know, what I kind of interpreted from what you're saying is it takes both a lot of patience from you who was like the coach and like as yeah. the, uh, the person who's learning, it takes a lot of patience and, um, perseverance. And I'm like trying to tie that to, do you, ha do you approach similarly when the, when you're trying to orange pill somebody? Cause like, it's, you okay. know, it's, you put all this time and you can't expect that they're going to understand something at the level that you have put so much time, effort, energy, and focus into. So I just, I'm just curious about how you approach orange pilling because it's, you know, it's to me similar where you have to have this again, low time preference patience, and you have yeah. to just start with the fundamentals and kind of guide you kind of have to guide them it's up to them like you're just there to to be to be helpful and to point them in the right direction and encourage them and like tell them you know maybe give them some honest feedback when it's warranted but it's really their journey and i'm just wondering if the, if you see those parallels as well yeah oh definitely you know it's it's definitely something that's how you know maybe, maybe before i would tell people you got to get one bitcoin you got to at least get one which is true like try to get one if you can it's getting a lot harder now than it was back in even 2020, you know? And so I think it's, it's the same way for me is look, when I was coaching these sophomores, it's like, guys, I've been playing overseas and in college longer than you guys have been alive, you know, or longer than you guys have been playing basketball. I've been playing at a way higher level. And so it's the same way. It's, and it's not, 
and it's not like to brag. It's it's just honest truth. I can't expect a you know a younger kid to understand what what it takes or the mentality it takes to be at that level yet. I just need him to perform at the best level he can right now. And so I think that's the same thing with with people. They got a job. They got their wife telling them that Bitcoin is a Ponzi. They got you know all these other things that are on their mind. What if I lose all my money in Bitcoin? You know. And so it's just about like, hey, let me just give you a little doses of it. At, you know, along the way, you're gonna complain. Everyone's gonna complain to me about something that's going on with money. Everyone complains about their money. It's like, yeah, well, inflation's going on. You, you know, and then. I just let them know that I'm the Bitcoin guy. If they want to come talk about Bitcoin, um, lately I've even told them like, look, if you're gonna, if you want to talk to me, to me about Bitcoin or want my help, just know that I'm not gonna let you. I'm not gonna help you buy an altcoin, and uh, I'm not gonna let you just buy it and keep it on exchange. So you're gonna have to get this wallet. You're gonna need to get your, you know, your keys air, air gapped, and I explain those things. And then I say, and if you're not willing to do that, then I'm not the right guy for you. And I just let them know up front because you got to like know, put this too- minimum like commitment to like taking this seriously. You got to put a little yeah, skin because- in the game here and show me that you're ready to like, because otherwise it's a waste of time for both of us. Because I had a buddy, you know, I had a buddy who ended up losing a Bitcoin on BlockFi yeah. and that's my fault, right? Like I told him to get it off there. Uh, and, and then he never did. Um, but I still feel like, okay, if I would have just told him from the beginning, if I would have never even mentioned that, you know, right. Like, Cause everyone's looking for, Hey, how can I get a little bit extra? Yeah. You, Oh, well there is this thing, you know, where right. you can do it. And now it's just like, look, I'm not going to tell anyone to, because I'm just going to say, look, you got to get it, get it in your, your, hold your own keys. And that's the way from here on out. And maybe, maybe he looks at it. He does look at it as a lesson too. Sure. Um, and he's trying to get some more Bitcoin, but um, but I think it slowed down his his whole process and pr- progression of of Bitcoin as well. So it's it. I was worried that I might lose a friend, but uh, yes. Yeah. No, I mean I've had I, a, I've, I had friends that lost stuff on on Celsius BlockFi. Somebody some people lost on both Celsius and BlockFi, <laughs> and it's there is like some. Uh, guilt that i think or it's like oh i didn't say the right thing or i, I should have been more stern like warned them it's like but it's their life at the end of the day and I, you know something yeah. sometimes i think about like losing money is um is is one great way to f- realize how valuable it is because when you lose yeah. it right like it, it like having that feeling um uh, and just, you just kind of hope they don't get bitter and blame the um you know the asset instead of issues like you know Hey, I should have yeah. done that. I, now I'm going to look into any company, any institution that's offering me yeah. yield. I'm never going to take, I'm not going to take 5% from the treasury because if, you know, I just lost my Bitcoin, what's, you say that's safe. People said it was BlockFi was safe. I don't trust yeah. this now. So now they're, they're yeah. skeptical and they're, and they're thinking well, about it. Well, what was the, what was the, what was BlockFi's whole, sh- whole spiel? It was their shtick. It was Mt. Gox happened in 2013. You know, we're we're gonna over collateralize every loan. They lied. They lied to everyone about that. that like, if they would have over collateralized their loans, then they would have never got margin called or bank, gone in bankruptcy as a whole company. And so, so they say these things. Oh, this is a world of financial institutions. 
Mount Gox started out as trading cards for Magic the Gathering. And that's literally what it was. Magic, like Mount Magic the Gathering, MTG Gox, right? There was like these Magic the Gathering trading cards. And then it flipped to Bitcoin and it was based out of Japan. It was in 2013 and the whole, like four years after Bitcoin, it was even created. And so then people, you know, 2019 and 2020 roll around and you got this guy this like, is wall street you know we, we, we yeah, we're, we're risk professionals we, we, yeah, yeah yeah we have we have regulated institutions that are taking loans from us you know we have all these things it's all our loans are over collateralized there's all these algorithms and then at the end of the day they were doing the same thing that all the other idiots were doing out there they're and not as well <laughs> They're doing the same thing that the banks do, which is why all banks are insolvent. It's like the same reason that you get into Bitcoin is because the banks are insolvent because of fractional reserve banking. And then they're and then what then I'm putting my Bitcoin in a place that is just as unsafe as a bank, but there's no FDIC insurance. So, you know, that's just what I fear is in 2024 coming up, there will be more oh, yeah. companies like BlockFi and they'll say, We're not like BlockFi, we're not like FTX. We're we're we have regulated institutions that hold us accountable. You know the ETF that's the ETF that's inevitable, right? That's a bunch of BS. Like we Bitcoin does not need an ETF, and it'll probably get rugged, and you know because there will be shady Wall Street men doing what they always do. And so that's just what I fear is that that it'll just be too tempting because there will be some yield attached to it. But you got to ask yourself where does the yield actually come from? That's what that was. Uh, it sounds like you've kind of answered my next question, which was, how do you feel about the ETF? But what um, from the standpoint of. I don't think it's really a support or not support the ETF. Like, how do you think that this is going to be one of those big impactful moments that people are going to look back to is like, oh, they approved the ETF. And that was, you know, the start of uh, this next era that we're in. Or do you think that it's going to be kind of a, a total nothing burger? Or do you think there's, there's something in between there? Yeah, I mean, I do think it'll pump Bitcoin's price. Okay. Right. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm I gonna so. say that, uh, but I don't think it's necessary. I, I, I think the hat, like the having, is to me is that like it's just people like us three every single day that will buy Bitcoin with our savings from every paycheck, and we're gonna keep doing that forever, and we just keep adding demand to the demand side of an inelastic supply. And that inelastic supply gets more scarce every four years, every 210,000 blocks. It just gets halved and that causes the price to go up. It has to. And so, right. yeah, is, is yeah. the ETF ETF's going to add more money. What do you think? What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah. So I was going to say that I'm not, I don't, I try not to get too much into the, this is good for Bitcoin. This is bad for Bitcoin. This is a, you know, this, yeah. is, this is an attack or whatever. I think it's, I, I kind of yeah. accept it as, it's inevitable. It's going to, ha I don't know if it's going to happen this week or it's going to happen next year. It's going to happen two years from now, but it's inevitable. So I think it's, yes. I think you only stand to hurt yourself by being upset and, you know, saying that this is an attack or this is bad for Bitcoin because at the end of the day, it, it just is what it is and it's going to happen. And if you kind of concede that having more people, that are using big i guess it boils down to there's a lot of people who think that like this mass adoption is this bad thing for bitcoin it, it's um and they kind of almost give up it's it's almost like they're giving up ahead of time by saying well this is it this is over it's not going to work like the, the state's gonna 
take it over and, and, and uh, co-opt it. And it's like, no, that's, that's, that is a bigger risk now probably, <laughs> but that's not set in stone and you still can benefit and, and figure out a way to keep improving Bitcoin for other people just because wall Street's going to throw it stuff in an ETF. That doesn't, that doesn't change anything. It just changes the demand supply dynamics um, until it changes again. What do you think, Mike? What do you think about? I mean, I have a lot of thoughts that pass through my mind throughout this entire conversation on, on this topic. I'd say if you don't, you know, if you don't control your keys, then you are bound to lose your Bitcoin. So you never had it one way or the other. That's, you never even had it's, it. You never had Bitcoin. That's right? correct. Yeah, you never had Bitcoin. It, it makes me think a lot about a topic I've been thinking about a lot is uh, ownership and, and what it is to own something. Mm-hmm. And what that, I mean, this ties all into like the, the, the topics of work that you were speaking about earlier, but just the amount of work that goes into something, owning something, what is it all? What, what, what are your thoughts on this, Sean? What do you, what do you, what, back to you. <laughs> what do you mean by, what do you mean by owning Mike as compared to, as compared to, you know, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so owning it here, look, I'll, I'll give you a personal example. Um, I've been an employee most of my life and I've been, I have the worker mindset most of my life. Mm-hmm. And since I've gotten into Bitcoin, I understand a little bit more about what it is to own something, to take responsibility for something, to, um, to basically you're laying down your, it's your risk. You know what I'm saying? Your time. You're not a, it's your time. Exactly. It can fail and it can succeed, but it's on you. And that responsibility has always uh, been a, a heavy weight for me. So I've always sort of, uh, you know, avoided it. But as I've gotten into Bitcoin, I've, I've understood that more and and seen the importance of it. It's like, uh, yeah, it, when the game is on the line, like, are you gonna, are you gonna take the shot and be responsible for your team's outcome? Are you gonna pass it? And you yeah. and you have you feel kind of like a lot of your life the pressure to pass, and you're starting to have the confidence to maybe pull back and take that shot. Yeah, well, even even. I think about ownership, it, it just goes to to me that, you know, it does come down to responsibility, right? And I think if going even back to the ETF, like think about think about the ETF. Why why would people I understand why institutions would do it because institutions don't have great like they have a mandate. You can't even buy Bitcoin, actual Bitcoin. You gotta buy something that's in the ETF, if it's a commodity or whatever. But why would an individual buy Bitcoin in an ETF because they're scared of the responsibility of owning Bitcoin because if they lose it, it's on them. But but someone else will hold their password. Someone else will take care of it. Someone else will custody it for them. They think that that's attractive because of the safety or the perceived safety that comes along with it. But if you're responsible, and and this is what's great about Bitcoin is I've had people say, well, well I could lose all of my Bitcoin it's all on me. Well, welcome to freedom. You know, like this is true freedom. Yeah. Because someone else could lose all of your Bitcoin for you. So at least, 
you know I can own my own Bitcoin. I can own my own keys. And if I lose it, it's on me. And it's and I have the responsibility for me and my family. But if someone else loses it, it's like, well, what can I do? I couldn't have even done anything. And that's like that's not freedom. That's not responsibility. That it's almost servitude. It's almost it's almost some form of slavery. And it's not true freedom. And, and that's what Bitcoin brings us is this ownership of personal property rights. Right. Own I think I think my I think to tie your original question about work and you talk about ownership, I think that I would tie that together and say that, you know, like he said, ownership means controlling your destiny. You are in charge. You make the decisions. You sign the transactions. But in order to do that, you have to you have to put in the work or you can't do it. You can't sign. Yeah. You, and if you don't trust yourself that you've done enough work, that you don't think that you have put in the effort and the focus to get it done, right? You're going to defer to BlackRock. You're going to defer to Coinbase to be in control of your destiny. And so it's like when you're orange pilling somebody, you can enter, you know, you can show them freedom. You can lead a horse to water, right? The old saying, but you can't yeah. make them drink. If somebody wants to take control of their destiny, they can, anybody can say they want to do that. Everybody wants to be the champion. Everybody wants to be the CEO that, yeah. that cashes out, but you can show them what that's like, but you can't, you can't yet, you know, you can try to hold their hand and, get, and help them at first, but it's ultimately up to them to do the work. It's like the old saying, every, everyone wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. Right. Exactly. <laughs> everyone wants to be free. No one wants to hold their own keys. So, you know, um, uh, you, you mentioned, I, go ahead, Mike. Well, I did have a question about Sh Sean. Did you, did you want to speak about work tonight? <laughs> and your can. thoughts on work? Can't we can't speak about work? If you, but, if or you did we to. go into it too much already? No, we can. Uh, I don't. Did, you, did was there something specific or just just? Uh, yeah, I think this is me like looking down at my notes, kind of thing, and going. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, word my work question. My question was, uh, you um, you mentioned, I think couple times here the having um which is coming up um are you doing anything special for the having do you have anything <laughs> planned <laughs> having yes i do i do uh, well, what is that that's that awesome better question uh, yeah <laughs> uh what we got going on is the having party in el salvador and uh it is with the meme factory we're all putting it together uh i'm kind of more the lead on it so far, it was it was my idea, but without the meme factory, I knew I would have never been able to pull it off. Um, and so, the biggest thing is, um, you know, so many people since El Salvador made Bitcoin legal tender, they wanted to go down to El Salvador, but they just haven't had the right time to go. They haven't had a chance to go, or they don't know who they would meet up with right. when they're down there. They would do, and so it was like perfect. It's like the having is coming up. You know, Bitcoin's been legal tender. By that time, it'll be in its third year of being legal tender, and so many people still haven't gone down. So let's get people down there to see what it's like. Um, and then the other thing was, I actually am very passionate about the having because I was around during 2020 for the having, and I was really excited for the having. <laughs> and uh, people, people all say this, right? They'll say, "Oh, but it was COVID." Okay, but COVID didn't actually shut things down till till March of 2020. And the having happened in May. 
So I didn't hear anything. There was nothing about a having no hype, no excitement. There was no, yeah, there wasn't even, even if there was COVID, right? There was nothing, there, no one had been promoting any having party or been talking about right. people weren't buying tickets or anything to a having party because if they, because, you know, we've already, yeah, we're already selling tickets for our, for the having party and it's, and it's awesome. Uh, it was but, kind of, and on Twitter on the having day. It was just kind of like it had the same vibe as like Bitcoin Pizza Day. It was like some hashtags and people posted some stuff yeah. about it, right? But it wasn't like it was just you know it was like oh today's the having. It's like that's kind of a it's a big deal. Yeah, so it's like so yeah, it is a big deal. Because it's, think about it's the it. third one, only the third one. The last one was only the what the third one. It was the third having, and they happen every two hundred ten thousand blocks, which is about every four years. And and what is the having like? What does the having mean to Bitcoin? And this is what I always talk to people about: is ask your friends what they think of. What's your opinion on Bitcoin? Right? If you ask any of your friends, what's your opinion on Bitcoin? They'll tell you good or bad, you know, positive, negative, neutral, whatever it is. And then you say, okay, if you take it a step further, what do you think about the having? Then they'll say the what? And they have no idea. Everyone has an opinion right. on Bitcoin. And they don't know what the having is. You can't have an opinion on Bitcoin if you don't know what the having is yet. It doesn't make sense yet to you because you don't understand the scarcity, because you wouldn't understand why there's only 21 million Bitcoin, because the having ensures that there's actually less than 21 million, that it ever gets closer to the number 21 million, but never touches it. It ensures it ensures that it ensures a scarcity. And what does it do? It causes that price to pump every four years. And that's what people go, oh, it's so volatile. But my eyes were open to the volatility of Bitcoin. And I was okay with the volatility of Bitcoin when I understood what the halving was. And I started looking at, okay, well, every four years, the price pumps because the supply that gets comes in gets cut in half. And then it goes up higher than it was before. It's all-time high. And it does fall off. But it hits a higher low than last cycle's low. And so it's just like it's always going higher, the higher highs and higher lows based off of the having. And so I'm really passionate about it because there's no other event that gets thrown, whether it's Bitcoin Miami, whether it's a meetup, whether it's, you know, whether it's Pacific Bitcoin. And no, hey, I've gone to those ones and I, and I like those, you know, I like all those events. But there's no event that's based off of something that's native to Bitcoin. Right. And the having is actually something that's native to Bitcoin. Why are we throwing it? We're not throwing it because we want to be in my, we're not throwing it because we want to be there. We're throwing it because the having, because it's block 840,000. It's the fourth having. And that's why we're throwing it. And that's what, and we will continue to throw having parties every four years until there is no more having because that day will come and it's coming shortly. We'll all be dead. But it will be coming, and so we might as well celebrate the havings while we have them, because we won't have them forever. You know, and it's 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 <laughs> uh, maybe twenty twenty was the first year, but at least probably from this having on, right? Like the having is more significant financially to the rest of the world than the Olympics every four years, and then in, you know yeah. a couple havings, it'll probably be more significant than the presidential election in the United States every four years. So this four year event, right? That like when it's almost like you you think what I think I know so much, I must be missing something. When you think it's, it's so easy, you just buy Bitcoin and every four years it goes up. And then, like you said, you talk to people, and it's like nobody even knows what this is. Nobody nobody knows 
why, has anybody looked back that doesn't know what this is and wonder why every four years Bitcoin does this? It's right no. there and they just don't know. And, well, and it's just enough time with our, with our, you know, TikTok, Vine, Reels, Life, where it's a 10 second video and we got to move on to the next one. Another 10 second. For a yeah. year, it's just enough time where the normal average person just forget. Mm-hmm. They forget it. They, they even forget what the price was. Like they'll go, right. oh, Bit- like Bitcoin will be at $40,000 at the halving and people will be like, what this thing's back it's like right. four years ago the having was eight it was at eight thousand dollars you know it was like eight thousand dollars and the time before that it was like 300 yeah this thing's back like what do you mean like this thing has been pumping while you've been asleep and and so like it's it's just people don't pay attention they forget they got like it's it's like if you would just pay attention to this thing and and they don't and but they will like what you said one day and the day is coming shortly where the having will be as big, bigger than the election that goes on in that year. It'll be bigger than the Olympics. And that's how we look at it. That's how I've been looking at it because everyone's going to have Bitcoin and they'll be looking forward to this thing. It'll be like Y2K. When Y2K happened, we thought, oh, the world is going to turn off and everyone was stayed up till midnight and then everything was fine. And that's what's going to happen. Everyone's going to stay up. They're going to wait for that block to hit. Boom. And they're going to be watching. And so we are really excited to be able to be at the forefront of this. And I feel very fortunate and very blessed to, for some reason or another, and I don't know why, to have been able to have my eyes open to what Bitcoin is. And um, it'll be something that I'm grateful for. And I hope that I can help other people open their eyes to it because I know they'll be grateful for it too. What What are the details of the having party? What does that look like? Do people, you have to like travel in? To El Salvador, like yeah, two weeks prior to the, the the adjustment or whatever. Uh, I mean, so, we'll, so right now, because it's the first one, we wanted to make sure that we could just celebrate that. It's a celebration of the having, um, not necessarily on the having, and uh, it'll probably be a little bit before the actual having happens, which we did by design. We didn't want to miss it, and so yeah, because um, it's not guaranteed so- when the date is. It's not guaranteed. It all depends on the hash rate, the high hash rate, you know? And so, uh, <laughs> and so we did, so it's going to be April 3rd. The, it's a three day event uh, in El Salvador. And uh, we got this really, I was down there last summer, went up and down the whole coast of El Salvador. We found the best video nice. over 500 rooms. And uh, we got private beaches, pools, it's unlimited drinks. So it's going to be awesome. So come on down. To, to the having party and uh we don't need to talk more about the having party i don't want to come on and just be like a talk no but wait, wait, you, you pointed out a very very interesting topic which is the importance of that that block like i never even thought about it in and how it it has it definitely goes above and beyond of like the the, the new year turning it's the yes it's like so much more than oh that. yeah um, way more so other than uh you know you're still on mean factor you got the um the having party that you're you're helping kind of push like what's the what are you trying to do you know uh in bitcoin essentially the next you know few years are you trying to make something like is this kind of a career thing a side thing just trying to help build 
communities and like networking and just having making friends or is it um are you guys are you trying to make like bitcoin like a full-time gig somehow no i don't i, I don't think uh i'm just trying to make a difference in the world i don't think i'm necessarily trying to work in bitcoin um i i have a really good job uh right now which i'm really happy about and that's not in the bitcoin world um and i think and i could see myself doing that until the day until i don't want to right and um but i do want to make a difference and i think that's what bitcoin is for me is it's it's this thing where you know i don't have to have you know it's funny because a lot of people on twitter think that i'm that i'm sponsored by swan or they <laughs> think that i get swan money it's like if they would only know like if they only knew what the truth was about uh my relationship with swan and went and and i love everyone at swan because to me they were the guys that were warning everybody about the celsiuses and the block price so right, that was right. that was what was and they were the guys telling people to be bitcoin only and they were one of the first platforms that got big that was bitcoin only so to me as a bitcoiner as a bitcoin maximalist i don't really understand the hate on them you think they're cringe fine it can be cringe but uh that's okay there's a lot of people that are cr like grown men crying about other grown men is more cringe to me yeah yeah and, yeah and it's so, fun it's fun it's everybody's just, just everybody big winter is so funny i just i just try to like you kind of said like you have a normal life normal jobs normal friends and it's sometimes i I see, you know, just a lot of the drama, and I and I imagine like telling my my dad and my or my parents, you know, my friends, are like, yeah, this, you know, this is really esoteric like uh, rivalry and these like very specific memes, and it's like this person's mad yeah. at this person. There's a conspiracy about this, and it's it's just uh, it's so funny when you think of it just in the proper perspective about the the little dynamics of of the culture. It's just fun. It's kind of fun. This is my whole thing, and this is the hard work, right? It, in basketball, if I work hard, and I'm a basketball player, if I don't like you, I'm going to work harder than you. I'm going to outplay right, you. I'm going right, to beat right. you. I'm going to do. I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to prove it in the free market, which is the basketball right. court. The beat. If you don't like Swan, which I don't have any issue with Swan, and I'm not competing with Swan, but if you don't like Swan then build a business that will take Swan's customers to make Swan to make Swan disappear, right? Like if that's what you want, if you don't like Swan, then take their customers from them. That's how I look at it. And I don't care. Like if Swan disappears tomorrow, does not matter to me. If any Bitcoin business disappears tomorrow, I don't really care because, because if you're good enough as a business, and that's what Swan has done, Swan has built themselves in a position to be this really good business and people say oh they got a terrible product well if it's that terrible then why are people using swan i don't know because people still use it so and that's how it is if anything if a podcast if you think someone's podcast sucks then go out there and make a podcast that's better than theirs and take their listeners and if you can't do it then maybe just maybe their business is better than what you think it is and maybe they have a successful podcast maybe they have a successful business because if it's too hard for you to do it then you're just a complainer. You're not actually a hard worker. And that's that's my feelings coming from my perspective of if you don't perform, you get cut. You go home, you go back to the US and you sit there and you don't get paid. And so it's like, that's how I look at it. And if I call you out for being a crybaby, 
then you're a crybaby, in my opinion. You know, you're crying about a oh, man who has a successful business. That looks to me like jealousy. Like, oh, I wish I could have had a successful business, but I just couldn't do it. So now I'm going to cry and call him a grifter when in reality, I'm just jealous that I didn't build this business that he did. Yeah, that's kind of no. Yeah, I think I think uh, back to the saying of everything's good for Bitcoin. I think if you're on Bitcoin Twitter and you see a lot of this drama and it causes you and you are you've been you've been putting in the work or maybe you've been um, maybe you've been kind of slack, maybe procrastinating. And it's making you feel like I, you know, I'm at the level in my Bitcoin journey where I should be putting everything in cold storage, not buying from exchanges, maybe figuring out, you know, ways to buy Bitcoin or use Bitcoin. It's a little more private. And you, and you see that and you are like, I'm going to, I should be sovereign and I'm going to be sovereign. I think that's a good thing. I mean, you, you shouldn't be using uh, centralized exchanges anyways, but we are helping, you know, lots of people kind of get to that point where they can, um, where they can make that decision. So I just think, I think at the end of the day, it all becomes a net positive. So I think the drama, all it really does is bring more eyes and more attention to the Bitcoin space and see that something big is going on here. And they will they can sort out the rest of it themselves. Like you said, the brand, the company, it doesn't matter. If you're bringing in eyes and people are doing the right things, um, it really doesn't matter which which brands are out there. It's um, it's really all for like making progress in the long run. So hell yeah, I agree with that. Um, before we wrap up, I, I just want to let give you the opportunity to let people know where they can find you, where they can listen to the Meme Factory podcast. You guys do that live, correct? Yeah, yeah, we go live uh, Thursdays at seven thirty p.m. on YouTube. Google or search Meme Factory podcast or Meme Factory Bitcoin, and uh, you'll see us. Um, go to BitcoinHavingParty.com as well if you want to get tickets to the Having Party. Uh, that's with the that's H A L V. ING Bitcoin having party.com or you can find me big Sean Harris on Twitter and uh, that's where that's where normally I spend most of my time when I'm not working or maybe even when I am working yeah. spend some oh yeah time Bitcoin too. Uh, <laughs> for, so you know just in case like tickets to the having party sell out like is is there details like so if, you know there's just the party's full but there's gonna be a bunch of Bitcoiners in El Salvador around this time if people just want to go down there and just be in that area like uh can they find out all that information and, and buy tickets while they're still available? Uh, wait, no, I just say uh, if if the party sells out, is it like near El Zante's? Like if people want to still go down and just be oh, yeah, you know yeah. near a bunch of Bitcoiners celebrating the having, um, is that going to be kind of yeah. a? Well, so the so the party will be at um, will be at a venue, um, and so the only way you can get in is okay. was buying the ticket and then booking a room cool. at the venue right now. Uh, maybe if we, maybe when we book out the hotel, um, we might start selling, we might be able to convince the hotel to start selling go. like this or something. Um, they're kind of stickers on that right now. So the goal is to just do it sure. right. You know, as many people to come down that can, that's why we got a really big venue and it's a really nice venue, but um, we want to do it right. And we want to make sure that people who come, really do have a magical experience and those who don't come we hope you get FOMO and you will get FOMO and you'll be at the party of 2028 because it'll be even better so um we got to take it one step at a time so that's that's how we're how we're looking at it right now it's just come on down to El Salvador you want to come down you haven't been down there before uh, you have if you have been down there everyone that I talked to wants to go back yeah 
because if you've already been down there, you already know you want to be there again. So you don't have to sell it to them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess thanks guys for having me on. And, uh, I wish we could just keep talking through the whole conversation. Yeah. Hey man, we'll have to have you on again. Yeah. Mike's over there laughing half the time when I'm ranting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very good at like uh, cutting people off I'll and laughing, and f- la- laughing as they're talking. Yeah. No, all good, man. Um, cool. I'll, um, I'll cut it. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at High Hash Rate, or you can hit up Dan at Heartland Bitcoin, H-R-T-L-N-D Bitcoin, or myself, Mike at run dance bitcoin that's all one word run dance bitcoin if you're a fellow pleb or you just want to shoot the shit with two high bitcoiners reach out to us holy toledo